This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Hello and welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Ash Miller, and this week we're delving into Minnesota's rich Scandinavian history. The state Scandinavian roots hark back to an era when thousands of Swedish and Norwegian people traveled from across the globe to establish thriving enclaves in the wild frontier of Minnesota. But why Minnesota? Spoiler alert, it isn't because of the weather. Let's hear from the question asker himself, Paul Welving. The reason I came up with the question about why so many Scandinavians came to Minnesota was from the fact I was doing family history and had come into uh, possession of a document from Norway that said my great-grandfather left Norway in 1885, headed for Zambroda, Minnesota, which is a very specific place. And I thought, well, he must have had a friend or relative in Zambroda that would help him get settled, but also got me thinking more generally, why did so many of these Scandinavians come to Minnesota uh, knowing that they traveled by ship from Norway, landed in New York, and then they had to go halfway across the country to get here. Uh, Why didn't they go, say, to Pennsylvania or Ohio or Illinois or other places that were closer? Was it free land? Was it, um, I'm not sure. So that was the genesis of the question. Here to talk about it is Eric Roper, who wrote the original story for Curious Minnesota. All right, Eric. So I asked you here today to talk about your story about Minnesota's Scandinavian roots, mm-hmm. because obviously that's a big thing historically, culturally across the country. People know mm-hmm. Minnesota is rooted in Swedish ancestry, Norwegian ancestry. And not and, all states have that. Necessarily. Yeah, exactly. It's a very it's a very unique Minnesota thing. And if there's one Minnesotans like it's being unique. <laughs> right. Unique identity. Yes. And so, you know, and we have the Vikings. Yeah, we have the Vikings. And then when I first moved to Minnesota last year, I moved next to the American Swedish Institute. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away because that place is always popping. It is something is always going on there. So I was just like, oh, OK, that mm-hmm. was when I first learned. I'm like, OK, this is actually a very big deal. Right. So kind of take me through that story. How how does Minnesota become this kind of hub mm-hmm. for those immigrants coming in? OK, so just to set the stage, Minnesota has more residents of Norwegian and Swedish ancestry than any other state. And that's not like a percentage. I'm talking about like n- raw numbers, raw which number. makes it more <laughs> impressive. OK, yeah. We had a couple people ask this question and one of them was saying, oh, you know, someone told me, oh, it's cold here, too. And yeah, so there's a, and then she's like, well, that's how I knew that nobody knows the answer to this question because that didn't it just like was a weird it was a theory but it didn't have any facts yeah. behind it and so that's not the answer to the question and the answer to the question involves basically like a coincidence of history where okay. there's these push factors in Scandinavia that are occurring at the same time that they're that, that, that basically Minnesota is the frontier of America <laughs> where basically <laughs> the country is expanding westward and right as everybody's try, trying to get out of Scandinavia suddenly Minnesota Minnesota is like wide open mm-hmm. and um, and we're going to talk about why, but wide open and sort of available for settlement. So that's sort of the h- 
high-level picture. Okay. But I guess we should start in the mid-1800s. Yes, take me through the timeline. Okay, so it starts with a positive development, which is that there are lower child mortality rates in Scandinavia, in Norway, and Sweden, which that sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Uh, That's great. Science is advancing. Everybody's got enough to eat. But then we end up with this overpopulation. So essentially, you know, everybody in these countries at the time, it's it's prior to um, big industrial revolutions in these countries, etc. And so most people are farmers. So you have all these people, this big population boom, but then there's just not enough land for them to farm. So mm-hmm. some people start to leave. This is not the big exodus. We get to that later. So some Swedes and Norwegians leave and they come to America. And Swedes, for example, a lot of them end up in Chicago. Uh, a lot of Norwegians end up in Illinois generally and in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they sort of form these early settlements in America, right? Mm-hmm. And by the 1850s, it's starting to get a little crowded in mm-hmm. these places because, you know, there's just like enough people. It's like, and, and in Chicago, you know, there's just so many different immigrant groups. You know, some of these farmers were very like about trying to preserve their Norwegian culture, for example, and mm-hmm. things like that. So when they ended up in like these sort of you know air, big melting pots, essentially, mm-hmm. like they wanted to go and start their own place, start their own town. Right. Uh, and some of these places in Wisconsin were, you know, and, and, and rural areas were sort of enclave. So they start kind of drifting over to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And at around the same time, there's a woman named Frederica Bremer. And we bring her up in particular because she is a very influential uh, voice for people trying to figure out where to go, where to go in America. And she's sort of the Swedish Alexis de Tocqueville, essentially. De Tocqueville and and Bremer were both kind of going around America telling people in Europe, like, hey, here's what America's all about, you know, Mm because it's kind of this new country and and it's also kind of rapidly expanding and there's a lot of interest in moving there, right? Yeah, she's doing the PR. She's a a PR spokesperson for Minnesota. Right. So she comes and she comes in 1850 and she writes these letters home that are later published in a very – well, in a a Swedish book. I don't know how popular it was. Originally when I wrote the story, I said it was popular and I deleted that because I couldn't figure (laughs) out how popular it was. But one quote that she has in her her letters is she says, This Minnesota is a glorious country and just the country for northern immigrants, just the country for a new Scandinavia. And she writes this in in like a long paragraph, but I just – pulled it out to kind of, because I think it sort of puts a fine point on sort of the intentionality behind like, hey, let's let's kind of bring everybody over here to, mm-hmm. to settle in Minnesota. So the Swedes first end up in the Chisago Lakes area, which is northeast of mm-hmm. what's now the Twin Cities in, in around 1851. And then uh, the Norwegians sort of settle the southeastern part of Minnesota in 1852. So that kind of like sets the scene up until the 1850s. And then mm-hmm. chapter two... Is the big wave, which we can get to. Yes. So the so this big wave, basically, how do we get there? How do we get from one letter to thousands? <laughs> right. So eventually, like this becomes a word of mouth thing. So in 1860, Minnesota is just a brand new state. Mm-hmm. There's about 170,000 people living here. So not very many people. A third of them are foreign born. And basically, a population boom is about to hit the state. And Mm -hmm. this is driven in part by mass immigration from Norway, 
Sweden, and Germany. So basically, in the 1860s, the conditions that I was sort of alluding to earlier in Norway and Sweden, they were getting worse. Right. There was famine now, and people mm-hmm. were actually starving. So sort of these inklings of people wanting to leave turned into like an urgency to leave. And there, were, there was already these budding communities mm-hmm. in Minnesota for both Norwegian and Swedes. And then over here, two things happened. So in the 1850s, there had been treaties that uh, took land away from Native people who were living in Minnesota. So that kind of was an early thing that happened. And then by 1862, the U.S.-Dakota War, the U.S. government forced the Dakota people from the state. Right. Okay? And the same year, the U.S. government passed the Homestead Act, which offered 160 acres of land for free to settlers who agreed to live on it for five years. So the combination, like if you just sort of put those two together, you can kind of see here how it's becoming U.S. government policy to clear natives from the land and then make it super attractive to uh, white settlers, including many from Europe, to come here and sort of start a whole new life. And 160 acres of land for free when like farming is the predominant uh, you mm-hmm. know, way of life, that's like a pretty attractive offer, essentially. Yeah. So did were people aware that that is what was happening? We can look at history now in hindsight and be like, oh, yes, the government was clearing Native Americans to make way for white settlers. But was it obvious then? Mm-hmm. There were a lot of letters home during this period. Word of right. mouth is very important. So those letters give us a little insight into what was going on. Mm-hmm. And these are sort of sometimes called the America letters or, or the, this is sort of about America fever. It was happening like Beatlemania. Got it. Got like it, got Beatlemania it. for America. So one of these letters comes from a man named Jens Gronbeck, who is uh, Norwegian, and he's sending it to You his didn't have group. to say he's from Norwegian. We got that from the name. Like, it's, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> there is an O with a diagonal line through it in his last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, he sends a letter home to his brother-in-law back in Norway. And this comes from the book, They Chose Minnesota, which a lot of what I'm telling you today is derived from that book, and the story cites from it heavily. But he says, if you find farming in Norway unrewarding and your earnings at sea are poor, I advise you to abandon everything. And if you can raise $600 to to come to Minnesota, he says. So that's like, okay, yeah, you should come here. It's great. And yeah, then sounds great. <laughs> he says, you, sh- you shouldn't worry about the voyage. Like, don't worry about it. And then he adds this racist assessment. He says, neither should you be alarmed about Indians or other trolls in America, for the former are now chased away. So you sort of hear from that, like, okay, this this aspect of the U.S.-Dakota War forcing Dakota people from the state seems very prominent in people's minds, right. you know, and, and try as almost a selling point to try to get people from Scandinavian countries to move here. Was it all word of mouth? Was it all just the math worked out that there was open land and people were riding home? It's all just kind of coincidental that it came together? It definitely started a lot that way. Um, and then by 1867, the state creates the Board of immigration, which basically was intended to lure certain immigrant groups over here. And the first leader of this board is a Swedish immigrant, Hans Matson. Mm-hmm. And you can read Hans Matson's memoirs online because it's 2022 and everything is online, mm-hmm. <laughs> including Frederica Bramer's book and Hans Matson's oh, okay. memoirs. Um, and so basically this board would print like de- detailed pamphlets. And one of them was called Minnesota and its advantages for immigrants. These are kind of, you know, ads for Minnesota. And they would distribute it. They would do multiple languages and they would distribute it in overseas and on ocean liners and in railroad stations. And Matson sort of writes later that he would go and visit farmers in western Minnesota and he would see on their bookshelves they'd have the Bible, the prayer book, the catechism, and then his 
pamphlet, no. uh, like uh, like the small handful of things that they kept from the old country. Uh, one of them is his, like this thing with his name on it, you know, that they got whenever, wherever, either on Ocean Liner or in Sweden or what have you. Right. So it's the equivalent of us just keeping a brochure that we right. picked up at a gas station. Yeah, now it would be like, you know, your Minnesota guidebook or whatever yeah. type book. Moving into the 1880s, more of these immigrants start going into the urban areas like Minneapolis and St. Paul. And then I have here in the story, this is from the state demographer's office, by 1900, 13, about 13 percent of Minnesota's population was either born in Norway or in Sweden. What I thought was interesting in your story is that, yes, we have such this, this large Scandinavian population, but it's not the dominant heritage here in Minnesota. Right. And we actually did another curious story about that, which we can link to in the in the show notes by Karen Lundegaard. Um, but yeah, we are more German than Scandinavian. And, you know, like, obviously, there's other states that are very German, like mm-hmm. Pennsylvania and other mm-hmm. states that kind of have a big German heritage. But more people in Minnesota report German heritage. And prior to World War One, German was the top non-English language spoken in Minnesota schools, just to give some perspective. Right. During World War One. German statues are torn down, streets and buildings are renamed. There's this Minnesota Commission on Public Safety that gets formed, and they harass the state's German population, and they're trying to root out unpatriotic sentiments um, mm. um, you know, around the state, and, and they really harass people. And so German culture was erased in many ways around the state. We have a picture in the story of these people taking down the statue of Germania, uh, which is like a German national symbol from mm. the Germania Life Insurance Building in St. Paul. And I'll just sort of do a little shout out here. So there's a 2005 movie, Sweetland, which if our listeners haven't seen this movie and if they're interested in this topic at all, I would just recommend it because it's an it's like one of the few movies that portrays sort of immigrant life in Minnesota or mm-hmm. Minnesota generally, but immigrant life in particular. Alan Cumming is in it. It's just a kind of a, it's a beautiful, very beautiful movie. But it's about a woman who comes from Norway and she's here to meet the man that she's supposed to marry in Minnesota. Uh, she doesn't speak English and, and et cetera, et cetera. And when she's about to marry him, they really realize that she's a German national. Mm-hmm. And this basically results in her being shunned in this Norwegian community. And this is around the World War One period. Mm-hmm. When I saw the movie, I just like didn't get it. I was like, oh, what? Like I didn't, I was like, yeah. well, I don't, I don't understand why. <laughs> but, and they start saying all these bad things about Germans and, and things like that. There was all, and so you start to realize like how complex it was, even within different, you know, within these immigrant communities, mm-hmm. um, you know, like during that World War One period in particular, just sort of like what it meant to be German in Minnesota. It's just, and the movie doesn't get too deep into it, but just to kind of alludes right. to how they were shunned and, and things like that. So we need to read... They chose Minnesota and then watch Sweetland. Well, they chose Minnesota is like almost a textbook. It's like it's broken. Oh, okay. So and it's broken down by a uh, group. So like you would if you read They Chose Minnesota, you would probably go to your whatever group you're interested in and then right. read because it's like maybe a chapter on each and it's a big book. Um, so it's not like light reading. <laughs> so is there a lot of stuff about Finland in there? Yeah. Well, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just going to mention basically like after the story came out, I heard from a number of readers because a big response on the story. It was very popular. We had about 100 comments on the story. The complaint that I received, and I would say most people enjoyed the story, but I did get some complaints from people who said, why did you leave Finland out of this story? They were mm-hmm. kind of offended. And I was a little blindsided by that. And I was like, uh-oh, like, did I miss some big situation yeah. here? So Minnesota does have a big Finnish population. But technically, if you look at Encyclopedia Britannica and some other places, mm-hmm. Finland is not considered part of Scandinavia. But there is some 
some debate about this. Ooh, okay. Uh, so, like, there's, and so it's, it's, I think I've seen it's technically not a Scandinavian language. We, I'm mm. sure we're going to have some listeners who will oh, write yeah. us to, to sort of debate this. And I'm happy to have the yeah, debate. Definitely send those comments to eric.roper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's almost like it deserves its own story because it seems like the, because it's like a northern Minnesota sort of Iron Range heritage. Which one day maybe we'll tell. We should, yeah, someone should submit. And actually, I think someone did submit this question. So okay. we should do that story. Because <laughs> yeah. someone submitted it just after seeing my story. Oh, okay. All right. Well, great. What, what a wonderful history lesson. I say this every week, but I love doing the show because every week I just learn something brand new. And as a new Minnesotan who is currently obsessed with Minnesota, um, I was very excited to sit down and talk to you about this. Yeah, I've just been watching all Minnesota movies and all Minnesota TV shows. I just finished Fargo. And so it's just like I am totally obsessed with Minnesota. And so it was good to give a little history to, the, to my obsession. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here. That's it for today's show. If you have feedback about this episode or a question we should tackle at Curious Minnesota, send a note to curious at startribune.com. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.